now you're known as the lady whose kid went missing versus all the things you've done in your life. And, and I can't even imagine what that feels like to walk in a room and, and that be the thing that you're known for. So sometimes it's just about people being able to be people <laughs> and understanding and have a heart to say, you know, even though I know that that's something that she has gone through, she doesn't need me to look at her in that way. She doesn't need me to bring it up. She doesn't need me to ask her questions. Like, just hold that space. And, and if she wants to talk about it. I want you to imagine sitting on the other side of the desk of grief, the people that have to handle, the ones that have to endure the grief, and the ones that have to make sure that they, they go through the process correctly. Today we have Janae Middleton. She is a grief specialist and she's come on today to give us the other side of grief, not from the perspective of the victims or the ones that have to deal with the victims. Hi Janae, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. So um, we wanna kind of start off by kind of telling a little bit about you and how you got into the field. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to this very, it's a very special field to be in? Sure. So, um, pretty normal life growing up, um, from a little city called Sarasota, Florida, um, left home just for a little while when I went to school in Tallahassee, Florida A&M, and it was there that I kind of started my journey into the social service. Um, my father, shout out to my dad, he, um, struggled with substance abuse in my childhood a lot, and it caused a strained relationship with he and I, um, a very misunderstanding of just people and my relationship and how I attached, you know, and so I started the journey of wanting to learn people because of that. Um, and by the grace of God, he was able to get clean, he went to rehab, and now he's actually a minister. And our, our relationship was restored um, through my work in the substance abuse field. So initially, I went into substance abuse, and I did that for many, many years. And through substance abuse, I had um, the pleasure of working with families and children that have lost family members due to overdose and addiction and things like that. It was from there that I kind of grew um, a bigger heart for grief and understanding that that is such a hard thing for people to embrace and process. And, and just deal with. And so I swayed from substance abuse into grief, basically because of that, having been introduced to it through substance abuse and then wanting to grow my um, theoretical approach and my understanding of grief. And so now I am a grief specialist, actually, um, through Impact Health. And that's like what I do. That's all that I do. Um, but it's not just substance abuse. It's like, all types of loss and, and grief just as a whole. Okay, so, it's, so here it's, we are. So when we when you say grief, you know, a lot of people, when, when you think about grief, I think that people have something in mind as a loss, right? But I want you to kind of give more of the, um, the definition of grief and, and what different losses that can occur with grief. Well, I mean, grief is just any significant loss. I think when people think of the word grief, they think just some um, traumatic death-related loss. But you can experience grief symptoms from losing a job. You can experience grief from losing a house or losing a 
dear friend or relationship. And then any type of actual grieving the loss of a person, whether that's, you know, died by natural causes, died by uh, their own will, died by suicide or overdose and different things like that. Or you can grieve a situation where there's all these unknowns and, you know, you don't have any closure. You can grieve that situation as well. So grief in layman's terms, because I do teach um, grief education to children, I just tell them it's the really big feelings and emotions that you have because something is no longer there. Okay. So um, today, you know that you're on um, Missing Our Voices and this podcast is for missing persons. So the grief that that's endured with missing persons, it kind of goes for a long period of time because you can't really get a closure of that grief or um, really come to terms with the, the right type of grieving due to the fact that you, you're still in the process of trying to figure out the, the knowns and, and what's really going on. So I, I went and did a little bit of research and I found out that there's like five different stages of um, grief. Um, can we go over some of those um, so we can find out exactly like what those things would be like, would look like for the ones that are missing their, their loved ones? So when you look up the five stages of grief, what yes. did you find? I think I, I, I want to say anger. Okay. Anger was one. Um, depression was one. It was, I, I don't remember all of them, but I, I knew when I first seen, when I first heard anger, I knew that that had to be the very, very beginning of it. Because when um, Jabez went missing, um, I just, I was, I was just mad at everybody. I, I was mad at people that might have known people that could have been some kin to the people that took him. I was, I was, I was literally just angry. And I see when I, conduct the interviews for, with families that are that are in the same situation um they have some of the people when it when it's still very fresh or sometimes it can be fresh it doesn't have to be fresh but they're just still very angry that there was something that happened here that either they could prevent that someone else could have prevented and then i also have clients um people that i interview um a lady named erica davis when i first met her she was in the she was in the state of depression she was in the state of depression so bad as though she had to literally she was literally trying they they had put her on medication because she was not on an everyday basis she wasn't able to cope like that and i talked to her and um i told her you know because i never i I didn't want to try even though it was it was um requested to me to get on medication because at some points of me grieving it was like I knew that I was kind of a little bit out of touch with reality I could feel that um but I I told her to like pour herself into um working for others because that's where I kind of found my um that's where I, I found my outlet at and I don't know if it's if, if it's that's a part of grieving but I know that was one of the things that made me feel a little bit better. Right, right. So, okay, so let's let's dig into that a little bit. Okay. So you definitely hit two of them. Um, anger and depression are, are stages of grief. There's also denial. 
denial. There's also acceptance. There's the bargaining phase. And you said something that kind of stuck out to me. Um, you feel like anger is the first one because it was just so much of it in the beginning. And, and you just were angry at a lot of different things and people and the situation itself. You know, there's really no actual order to the way that we feel grief and the way that we go through it. Um, everybody's journey looks different. There are some okay. people who off the bat get angry because I feel like, um, and this is just my clinical understanding, anger is the easiest emotion to have. When you lose somebody or you're confused about something, being mad is expected. People expect you to be angry. So when you're angry, you can put that out. Um, it's harder to feel open to the other grief symptoms right off the bat because they're a little more heavy and people can't hold your stuff. And really, when you look at grief, people tend to fall into those stages based off of their environment. So when we look at the different stages, you said something, too, about um, the lady that you interviewed and at the time that you met her. There is no time limit to grief and even more so for people who don't have closure um because what exactly are you grieving you know you don't know the situation in its entirety you don't know you don't have that peace of mind of what happened and so you kind of get stuck in this space of limbo about how to feel and that's very normal it's very um common for people who have experience a missing persons type situation to still be grieving years and years and years um when they don't have that closure because it's very common and normal for you can know that your friend from high school died of a heart attack and still grieve that for years and years and years there's no time limit on how the heart feels it's really just your journey and what that looks like and it looks different as time goes on, I tell people all the time, get comfortable in your grief because it's never going to go away. It's like a wave. And sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, sometimes it's everywhere, sometimes it's a little sprinkle, but it's always there. It just changes form and intensity. And so I think that people who have other people in their lives that are telling them, you know, get through your grief or why are you still angry? Why are you still sad? Why are you in your depression? Well, that's your grief to hold. And if they're uncomfortable with it, then that's their problem. Now, it's it's a couple things that I, I want to, and I hope I remember all of them. Um, when I was telling you about the anger part first that came for me first, um, I'm a very strong person. So I want, my anger came from, I wanted accountability. You know, it wasn't, I don't know. It, it was like, I wanted somebody to hold the accountability of the hurt that my family had to endure. I think that's why my anger, anger hit me first. And with the other lady that I was talking about, I think that because it was her only son, she went into depression because her loss was just an overwhelming sense of, I lost my, my whole world. You know, I have two other sons, you know what I mean? and two stepkids so i have and a grandbaby so i still have some things to hold on to but when you lose like the only child you ever bared i mean i don't know if you get angry you you know is 
I, it's a different, like I said, it, it, it was two different types of loss that we, we had and that we, we shared. And you're right about um, people don't, people don't want to, to want to carry your grief with you. Um, and just the littlest things can make you grieve. Like I have, and it makes me like in my voice, I can hear my voice cracking. I have a problem seeing teenage boys on bikes because my son love to do tricks and stuff on bikes. And every time I see it, I go into this, nobody knows, you know what I'm saying? It, it's only me, but I go into this really like spiral of like, wow, and all the things that I think that that could have been possible. And then why would they do this? Or why would why would this happen to me? Or, you know, and just sometimes I, I, I think to myself, like, this could, you know, easily, I, I, I tell God, like, you could have easily just gave this to somebody else. Why would you do this to me? And then I think to myself, you know what, I don't know if I would have wanted this to go to anybody else. Even even if I didn't like someone, because the the carrying of this burden of this grief is just heavy. I lost my father in 2011, um, and it was a major loss. To, and, and the and the hurt was more of me seeing my mother hurt more than anything. That's where my hurt came from my father because of how I looked at my mom hurt. It was just so so profound the way i could see like the life was being drained out of her in certain points but when jabez went missing and then them to discover his body on the side of a road it just was um it's a very heavy burden to carry and when you carry that when you walk in the room and you have that burden people feel that they feel that energy and it i can tell sometimes when i'm in a room and i'm the i'm the girl that has i'm i'm now known as the girl that had the missing kid i'm not known really as tawana i'm not known as like i accomplished a couple businesses in my life when i walk in the room i'm the girl that her kid went missing and was murdered i'm in that club that nobody wants to be in you know what i mean so it, the grieving process is a little bit different than just like when my father died of a heart attack from when you have someone go missing because nobody really knows what to say to you. They just don't know what to say. It's almost like you become the weirdo of something you never signed up for. Cannot even imagine. Cannot even imagine. That That's definitely very heavy. And sometimes it's not even about what do you say to the person that has lost a child or their child went missing and, and was murdered? It's just more of holding that space for them. Because like you said, there's going to be moments where people, they don't need you to say anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to be there. They don't want you to be feel weird around their energy. They don't, you know, like you said, now you're known as the lady whose kid went missing versus all the things you've done in your life and and i can't even imagine what that feels like to walk in a room and and that be the thing that you're known for so sometimes it's just about people being able to be people <laughs> and understanding and have a heart to say you know even though i know that that's something that she has gone through 
she doesn't need me to look at her in that way. She doesn't need me to bring it up. She doesn't need me to ask her questions. Like, just hold that space. And and if she wants to talk about it, if she wants to process right. it, then I'm here. Do you think that, do you think that um, in grief, you go through every stage? Or do, do you think that you might have certain stages you go through and you might not go through other stages? Because I don't know if I ever went through denial. Right. So, yeah, and that's another thing. Because everyone's journey looks different, you're not going to hit all of the stages. You may and then you may not. Um, I have a young lady that I actually that I work with and she, her son was murdered. He didn't go missing. Um, it was known rather, rather quickly that her son was murdered. And she was in depression for a long, long time. That was the only grief. She was angry for a bit. Then there was the depression for a long time. And then now she's finally coming into the space of acceptance. So all the other stages didn't even, you know, right. there was no bargaining. There was no denial. Um, she was angry. She was sad. And now it's like, okay, I'm healing. I've accepted this thing, this terrible thing that I have to you know, deal with for the rest of my life. And how do I move forward? So, no, sometimes people don't go through all of it. Sometimes you have one or two that are very, very heavy and you work through it. And sometimes you do hit all of them. And, you know, it just it just depends on, you know, again, your environment, the type of person that you are, the type of loss that you're experiencing. Like you lost your son. So your other sons lost a brother. Although you guys are grieving the same person, your grief journeys will look different. Right. So whereas you're angry, one of your other sons or both of your other sons may look at like, dang, I lost my brother, my friend. So I'm not angry. I'm sad. Right. I, I don't know what, no, this can't be happening. Maybe they did go through the denial. He was so young. Like, no, not my brother. Whereas you like, I want answers. I want accountability. Like, I'm mad. I'm mama bear. So it looks different even when you're grieving the same person. Do you think there's a difference between grieving and mourning? And if so, what is that? What's the difference of that? Mourning, by definition, is that outward expression, the actual crying, the actual being upset visibly, um, the acting out. Grief is specifically the emotions, the inside, how you feel. Um, so when you're in mourning, the things that you do, the wearing of the black, the planning of the funeral, the going through their things and, you know, all of that is I'm in mourning. Okay. I'm mourning this loss of a person. I'm doing things actively because I've lost this person. Right. And then your grief, your grief is the feelings behind that. So the mourning sometimes lasts for a couple of days and then it's done. That grief is forever. Okay. All right. So... For instance, like when, I, when I'm around other people and I, I'm in my grieving moments and you can tell that they kind of want it to mean to be quiet or they don't, because I've been, I've been in spaces or really honestly, because I don't have closure to what happens, my grieving process is still going on, right? But I, I sometimes um, suppress my grieving due to the fact that I don't want to bother other people. And it and it feels a little bit unfair to me, you know what I'm saying? Like I I feel like people just like okay, it ha it's happened, it's over, you know, you need to go on with life. And and sometimes you're not able to go on with life, especially when someone's missing. You're kind of stuck 
in this one particular area in your life, even though you're trying to make sure you move and you get things did and stuff like that, but you're, it's almost like you're stuck in this like loop, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it seems to like sometimes bother other people. And, and I want to know how can, how can you get through that part of it? So you should feel like that is unfair because it very much so is unfair. Um, I think that it's human nature on both sides. Number one, to feel uncomfortable with situations that they don't have a connection to or they don't understand. So I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't know what this lady's going through or what she's feeling, so I don't want to touch it. And then on the other side, it's also human nature to want to connect for people to understand, hey, I've got these really big feelings. I need to share and carry this load. So when you have those two things working against each other, it makes for a very uncomfortable situation. And depending on the type of person that you are, like you said, for you, it's more of a, I don't want to you know, force this on anybody. I I rather just stifle it the way that I feel than to force somebody to carry this with me. I tell people all the time, there is a place and a time for everything. When it comes to your grief, if it is to a point though where it's overwhelming and you need somebody to help you carry that, it's you owe it to yourself to it with people that can help you carry that because you have to. Stifling it for too long will start to kind of make you resentful just for people in your life in general and feeling like I've, I've got to carry this by myself when that should not be the case. So it, it's hard sometimes to decipher when and where to do that. Um, there are some people who just absolutely cannot hold your stuff, period. And that's not healthy. That's not a healthy environment for you to be in when you need it. So just kind of surrounding people in your life that you know, okay, when I do have my moments, I can call this person. When I do need somebody to just be in this moment with me, I can go and sit with this friend or this cousin or this sister or brother. Um, and and have those people that understand that, like, okay, if she's calling about this, I need to be in this moment with her. Because it's going to be those people that understand that, and then it's going to be those people that don't. And unfortunately, that's just not something we can get away from. So it's just more so knowing who your village is right. and them having the understanding of when, when I need you, I need you. And them being willing, willing participants to be there. Well, I guess that goes into because I was going to ask you about sometimes, you know, it gets a little bit heavy because I, I ended up with anxiety. I don't want to claim that at review that in but um, it's hard for me to go in, into crowds now after what happened. I don't know if it's because of, um, I don't know if it's because of being kind of paranoid of who's, who is safe and who's not. Does that make sense? Like sometimes I feel like because I don't know what happened to him, I don't feel like, I don't know who's safe and who's not, you know? Um, and it just goes back to just, I think with missing persons, at one point, when no matter what part of it is in the journey, we just want our lives to go back to normality. And I don't think that a lot of us realize like 
there is there is no normal after that it's just not a normal after that but we want we want the normal to go back how do you start to to get your life you think back on track to the to the things that you once were doing and and, and trying to get yourself back into the t- um system of trying to make of healing and and making yourself whole again how do you do that so when we think about normalcy what's normal anyway right but i try and tell people that when you have lost someone significant in your life and there's a situation where you're still in the grieving process or it's still very fresh or it's still very heavy or you feel like you haven't had that closure, there, there's never going to be normalcy, but there can be a sense of normalcy. And that just kind of is like getting back into a routine. It may not be the routine that was before, but we adapt. We as humans, um, we, we are made to adapt to change because things are always changing around us. And having to keep that mindset and actively moving towards that when you're dealing with grief, because no, you're absolutely correct. It will never be the same as it was before. That person is no longer here. You have all of these feelings surrounding that person no longer being here. And things that you used to do in your life is not going to be the same because directly affected by that person no longer being here. But we can still get a routine. We can still find things that make us happy. We can still find things that make us smile and bring us a sense of peace in regards to it. Um, People like to throw around coping skills. And I feel like that is every day. What what brings me peace of mind? What helps me to have a happy space, you know, put a smile on my face, self-care, like all of these things can help us gain a sense of normalcy and I think that that's important um but again no time frame on that because it may take people years to get to a space where they even feel comfortable making themselves happy they feel like I don't know what happened to my person so how can I enjoy life or I you know I still have all of these unanswered questions how can I be happy you know how do I move on and so when you feel ready to start to move into that space I would say start with the routine um, changing up a routine that feels comfortable and then start to explore what makes you happy, what makes you smile, who are you outside of who you were for this person? Like for you, that was your son. Who who are you outside of being a mom? You know, and start to find things that make Tawana happy and not Tawana the mom happy. Because when you think about being a mom, I know for a fact your son crosses your mind. So it's like when you think about you yourself outside of your your special person, you know, what does that look like? And start there. Wow. Um, you covered a lot. I, I, you know, I had questions and everything written down and you have touched base with a lot of the stuff that yeah. I was really wanting to know in, in so many different ways. Is there any advice that you would give them before we before we go? I would just say, don't let anybody tell you that you are drawing this out. If you're still having big feelings and, you know, you're kind of feeling stuck in your grief, that is okay. That's normal. You have lost somebody very special and significant in your life. Continue to seek those answers. Continue to be hopeful that you will find those answers. And allow yourself to feel 
embrace and give yourself grace. Because again, grief never goes away. It just changes intensity and the volume in which you receive it. So just be patient with yourself and be understanding that not everybody is going to be able to hold that space for you, but it's important for you to hold that space for you and find your village. You know, Miss Middleton, I, I'm, I'm so happy that you came on. I've been trying, we've been trying to do this for a couple weeks and I don't think that people realize when, when missing persons go missing that there is a side, uh, a mental side that is a strain that's very important for those people to have an outlet for. And I think I thank you so much for coming on and giving your um, advice. Um, I'm gonna close. Um, this is Tawana Span with Missing Our Voices. We just have heard from Janae Middleton. She is a grief specialist. Um, if you need any information on any type of mental health of grieving process, please get in contact with me at 941-822-5256 and I will get in contact with her to make sure that she can point you in the right directions. This is a very important part of missing persons. It's very important. You cannot fight this battle if your mental is, is strained and you need to have assistance in that area. That's why this interview is super duper important to me. Very super duper important. And to all the families that are grieving, Take it one day at a time, one step at a time. And there's help out there. Ms. Middleton has let you know that there's there's help and there's assistance. Reach out to somebody and find your village. Thank you and God bless.